day. I'm going to ask uh, if uh, our, our chairman of the deacons, if you'd uh, come down here and Brother Case, where's Brother, is he? He's not here. Well, go on and sit back down. We're not ready yet then. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do that a little later on. Don't let me forget that. All right. Babe, can I have your phone? I don't want you to listen to it all during the service. <laughs> Thank you. We're, we're going to do something a little different here this morning. Say, oh my goodness, my goodness. I hope we are. Photo camera. Um, one of our sweethearts, little Lauren Gibson. We, we love her to death. She's a little girl, sings in the choir here with us. She'll be moving to Austin into a home uh, in a couple of weeks. And what I'd like for us to do is, as a congregation, uh, we're going to just kind of say, we love you, Lauren, and clap, you know, whatever. And we're going to tape it. And then the choir especially. She loves this choir. Man, have mercy. She loves this choir. Uh, and uh, you just say, we love you too, okay? Can we do that? I know this is the middle of the service, but is that all right? I don't have my phone, so. <laughs> all right, let's see. Are you ready? All right. We love you, Lauren. And choir. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you so much for for just if you'd like to say something personally to Lauren. If you'll get uh, with me, we'll use, I don't know, can we use different phones, Jason? We can use different phones. Where are you at? Okay, there you are. If you, if you want to type something on your phone, we're going to put a whole thing together. She has an iPhone, and she'll be able to play that over and over again. And uh, so you pray for her and, uh, and, and this family. Uh, we're in the third chapter of John. We're preaching through John and uh, you, you really can't preach John without preaching the Scripture. Say it with me, would you please? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, thank you this morning for the joy to be able to come into your house, worship you and praise you. Lord, I, I just ask you to Hide me behind the cross. Lord, help people see you high and lifted up and not hear me. And Lord, through all of this, we're asking your Holy Spirit to speak among us and to touch our hearts and to draw us close to you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The songwriter said, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. And he goes on to say, could we with ink 
the ocean filled, and were the skies with parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. When you come to John 3, 16, there is no greater love ever mentioned, ever uh, examined than the love of God and what he mentions here in John 3, 16. It's magnifying uh, the love of God. I remember the story of the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe, Gaylord Camberini. And he was passing out New Testaments. And as he did that day, a man came by and he said, would you like a New Testament? And the man said, well, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'll take the New Testament, I'll use it. But he said, I, I, I smoke dope and I smoke cigarettes and all, and what, those are perfect sizes to roll that up and smoke. So that's what I'm going to do with the New Testament. And uh, the general secretary said, well, sir, if you would do me one favor, I'll give you the New Testament. And he thought, oh, boy, that's great. That's enough paper for a lot of smoking there. And so he said, if you'll read every page before you smoke it, I'll give you the New Testament. Fifteen years later, they were at an evangelistic rally, and his eyes locked in on that guy. And, I mean, when a guy tells you that, you, you remember him. And he ran to him after the service, and he said, man, what, what happened? Tell me what happened. He said, well, I smoked through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I got down to John 3:16, and I couldn't smoke no more. I got saved and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what the Word of God will do. When you look at John 3:16, this simple old-fashioned, but listen, it's vivid in its action. The Bible says, for God so loved. We find the greatest lover of all lovers here in this verse, and it's God above. He so loved us, so loved us, shows the magnitude. He's the lover. He's the giver. And, and, and it says, for God so loved. That means it's in the past tense. What he's saying here is the same thing Romans 5, 8 says. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't love you when you were already saved and when you were here praising his name and lifting him up. He loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you when nobody else wanted anything to do with you. He loved you when you were on your road to hell and destruction. He loved you. Hmm. The legislative work of God is done in Exodus 20. It's the Ten Commandments. But the redemptive work of God is done in John 3.16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible has a lot to say about the love of God. It's universal in its offer. He so loved the world. It's unknown in its fullness. Ephesians 3.19 says, To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. It's passeth knowledge. We can't understand the love of Christ. It's unbroken in his ministry. I don't have time this morning, but Romans 8, 35, what can separate us from the love of God? And he goes through and names all of that. And he says, hey, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it's unending in its character. Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord appeared of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And then it's unrivaled by his example and a challenge to us. We perceive we love of God because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 
3.16. That would be marvelous if it stopped there. But there's a comma. There's a comma. We uh, love him, he said, the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Actually, it's a, a colon. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Mm. Well, he could have left that part out. Wouldn't hurt a thing. But that's not his love. He ties us in with him. We're able to love other people because he loved us. You know, and I know, some people are just more lovable than others. I mean, you, just be honest. There's some folk you don't have any problem loving. Look at your wife and say, honey, I love you. I don't have a problem loving you. Yeah. There's some folk, but I want to tell you, there's some folk a little harder to love than others. Some of them there, when, they, when you come, you, now I don't do this. I'm talking to y'all. But so, sometimes when folk come up to you, you're looking for an alley or you're looking for a door that you can scoot in somewhere. And yet we're to love. It's vivid, very vivid in its action. God so loved. It's unusual in its choice because he chooses the world, the unlovable and the lovable. He chooses the world. It includes both. It includes those whose hearts burn in love for him, and it includes those who spurn him and say, we're not going to have anything to do with God. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already does. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. He loves you. God so loved the world. It's a vivid in its sacrifice. It's unusual in its choice, but it's also very expensive. It's expensive in its sacrifice here. He gave his only begotten son. You see, we, we've seen the greatest act. He gave. We see the greatest gift, his son. One day a young lady asked her boyfriend, said, do you love me? And of course, he said, well, sure, I love you. She said, would you die for me? He said, no, dear, my love for you is an undying love. <laughs> I'm thankful this morning <laughs> that God's love for us is not undying. But he literally died on Calvary so that we could have eternal life. Now, why does God demand us to live holy? And why does he demand us to straighten up ourselves? Well, the Bible teaches us that he wants men and women who will represent him to a poor, lost, and dying world, and we're the ones who he's chosen to do that. He said, be ye imitators of God and walk as dear children, and here's why we ought to do it. He said, because ye were once darkness, but now light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Not a one of us in this place this morning that can say, well, I bypassed that. I never did live in darkness. Every one of us have lived in darkness. And because we've been in darkness and we've experienced the light, now we need to be reflectors of the light. And we need to show the lost and dying world that Jesus loves them and that Jesus still saves. I think these are perilous days we're living in. I believe uh, we have to be honest in our church and most churches. We've been on a cruise ship for many years. We've had the best food there is. There's no better food than Woodland Hills Baptist Church. I, you know, that's the thing I worry about the most is getting back to normal is getting those food chains going again. We've had the best food. 
We've had the best music. We've had the best entertainment. We've had the best productions. Uh, we've got the best air conditioning. We've got the best seats. These things are really comfortable. Some of you have already gone to sleep. <laughs> we've had the best of everything on a cruise ship. But listen, if we're going to be anything in these last days, we're going to have to convert this cruise ship to a battleship. We're going to have to load up. We're going to have to be ready for the enemy. The enemy is always seeking whom he may devour. And he's devouring people right before our eyes. That's why we need to be the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world, and we need to shine that light, repent and turn to him. It's also a massive uh, offer. Whosoever. I know there are some that don't believe that, and that's all right. We, we call them Calvinists in our convention. Uh, they believe some have chosen, God's chosen some to be saved, and he's chosen some to be lost. I, I, it's always amazed me that all of those who preach that, nobody's ever lost. He just by chance chose all of them to be saved. That's kind of ironic to me. Uh, it's really not ironic. Let me tell you this morning. The Word of God says that God love the world. He's talking about every one of us. Every one of us. It is massive. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how pretty you are. Somebody said this morning, uh, they saw my picture in the paper, uh, but they took my bad side. I said, well, good, great. What is the bad side? You know, I don't know what it, what it is. Hey, it doesn't matter how pretty you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. None of that, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what sex you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what language you are or what nationality you are. It's massive. Whosoever. You're here this morning. I'm talking to you. Whosoever. Say, preacher, man, we've heard John 3.16. Let me tell you, I'm not just preaching this to young people and to children. There's some of you senior adults here. You better listen to me. You know good and well in your quiet time, God has pointed his finger and said, you never did really get saved and you never did make it right. And I'm telling you before it's too late, you better do some hard examination. And if God's calling you to be saved, you say, well, people are going to talk. I'd rather people talk than I would go to hell. I'll tell you that. It's for every one of us, whosoever. And then he narrows it down. It's select and it's bestowment there. Whosoever believeth in him. That's a simplicity motion there. Whosoever believeth in him. Eternal life doesn't come from working. How many times a day, honestly, that I hear people say, well, I'm trying to, you know, do the best I can to get to heaven. You'll never do the best you can. You can't do enough. You can't give enough. You can't sacrifice enough. It's not based on your wealth. It's not based on your heart. It's not even based on your, well, I feel in my heart. The heart's wicked and deceiving above all things. It's based on the fact, did you do it the way God said do it in the Word of God? Did you repent of your sin? Did you trust Jesus Christ and invite Him to take over your life? Then you can be saved, but not without that. It's believing faith. The sixth thing that's here, we've already covered six points. A five, fixing to do six. 
It's exceptional in its work. I love, there are three words there that I love. Shall not perish. Shall not perish. <laughs> now, when he says, shall not perish, a lot of people that's uh, going to thinking about uh, death, sleep, and all of that stuff, they use this verse, but that's wrong, completely out of, out of context there. What he's saying here is, it's not that we shall not perish, meaning we're annihilated. It means that we shall not perish with a final destiny in a place called hell. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And you choose in this life which one you go to. You say, well, I'm going to wait a little while. Hey, I believe I've seen here in the last few weeks, we've seen several people give their life to Jesus on their deathbed. You believe in that, preacher? Yes, I believe in that. I just don't recommend it. I don't recommend it because you don't know when your last breath is going to be. There are some young men that are just simply walking across a stage and they drop and that's it. My good friend Buddy over here at Forest Home preached uh, that message and, and walked out of the pulpit and sat down in a, in a wingback chair like that and died right there in the chair with a heart attack right after he preached his message. We don't know when we're going home. I'm telling you, you better be ready to go home right now. Right now. The greatest promise, thou shall, shall not perish. Wow. People are asking me all the time, if God's a God of love, how can he send and punish sinners in hell? Because God's not only love, God's also holy. He can't look upon sin. Revelation 21.8 says, the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Wow. You say, well, preacher, I've, uh, I've been living like this for a long time. Nothing's ever happened to me. Well, it's called grace. God's still giving you grace. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but it's long-suffering toward us. Not willing any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It's the Lord's will that every one of us in this building today know Jesus Christ and have an eternal home in heaven. That's what his will is. God's atonement is not limited. Our responsibility is to put our faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And then I guess the best thing, number seven, of all of it, it's everlasting. It's eternal. <laughs> It never ends. It will be forever and forever and forever. I talked with a pastor last night. And he was telling me he's got to look for a new car. He gets a new car every seven years. I said, well, that, that's great. <laughs> if you get seven years out of one, you're doing real good. He said, I'm looking forward to the day when they get a car that you don't ever have to buy another car. I said, well, you're, you're pipe dreaming. That's how people make money. Anybody remember buying a washing machine that lasted 25 years? Well, they don't do that anymore. I, I got a refrigerator that, that it wasn't five years old. had a little pinhole in it. They said the cheapest thing you do is go buy a new refrigerator. I said, my goodness, it's just got a little pinhole in it. Yeah, but it would cost more to do that. You know, we, we're in a throwaway society. But in the midst of all of the throwing away, there's something that we can nail down that's eternal. 
And that's our salvation, our life in Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wow. It's a powerful verse. He loved us. That's how we can love him, because he loved us. You didn't get up one morning and say, well, I think I'll trust the Lord. No, the, the psalmist said he chose you. He's choosing everyone, but you have the right to say yes or no. He loves us, and then therefore we can love him. He hears our prayers. He cares for us. He preserves us. I wish we had time to have a little testimony of just how much God's done for us. You know, that's the time of the testimony when we know what God did to help us. But I wonder how many times in our life God did something to keep us from hurting ourselves that maybe we don't even know anything about. He cares for us. And then he overrules us for, his, for our own good. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't give you everything you pray for? <laughs> and then he's generous. My goodness. First Corinthians tells us that I have not seen nor ear heard what the Father has in store for, though, uh, for them uh, prepared for them that love him. We, we, we can't even fathom it, what God has in store for us. We owe so much to the Lord. I've told this true story before, but I'm going to tell it one more time. The guy by the name of John Griffin Grew up, grew up with a dream in his heart. He wanted to travel. He wanted to see the world. And uh, the Great Depression hit in 1929. And I guess it's kind of like the COVID pandemic put a stop to a lot of things that a lot of people wanted to do. And he ended up in Oklahoma, and it became just a dust bowl. So he loaded up his little toddler and his wife and his old car, and they headed out looking for greener pastures. He ended up on the banks of the Mississippi River, had a job as a drawbridge operator. Big drawbridge there. He would crank the crank, and the bridge would come up, and ships would sail through. That's a figure it was as close as he'd ever get to traveling to any one of those destinations. One day when his little boy, Greg, was eight years old, he took Greg to work with him. A daddy work day. Find out what daddy does. And as uh, they sit there and saw that bridge come up, his little boy's eyes were big around saucers. Man, they just, wow, just entranced in it. At noon, they took their sack lunch that mama had made them, and they went out a couple hundred yards to an observation deck there, had lunch, and his daddy began to tell him about where all the ships had gone to England and into South America and Panama and all of those places. The little boy was just in train. The daddy heard the whistle of a train. It was a 107 from Memphis. And uh, it had 400 passengers on it, full every day. 400 passengers. He knew he didn't have time to take his son, so he said, son, just stay right here where you are. Stay right here. Daddy's going to run up and let the bridge down. The train's going to come over. I'll be back. Stay right here. Well, he got up, made it to the top, and he began to look, looked underneath to make sure there were no boats under there, and he looked around, make sure nobody was on the bridge or anything. His eye caught his son, 
He had left trying to follow his daddy back up to the observation tower, up to the control tower. And he had fallen into the gearbox of that bridge. And the daddy knew that he had a choice to make. His son could die or 400 people on that train would die. Tears in his eyes rolling down his face. He lowered that bridge. Train came by. People had their little teacups. They had their wine. They were reading the paper. They were eating their meals. Nobody looked at his tears. Nobody looked down in that great gearbox. He's beating and pounding against the window of that control. And he says, you don't, don't anybody care? I sacrificed my son for you. And nobody even cares. Nobody even knows. I wonder sometimes if our Heavenly Father don't look down on us. Say, my goodness. I sacrificed my son for you. He died on Calvary. He went through pain and suffering and agony. Not because of his sin. He didn't have any sin. He went through all of that for us. Does anybody care? I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit of God will speak to hearts all over this auditorium. And you may be sitting in your seat and you're saying, Preacher, I know there's no doubt I love the Lord. I know that I'm saved. And that's wonderful. That is great. That, praise the name of Jesus. But don't you know somebody that's not saved? I mean, is there nobody you know of that you don't think maybe you ought to come to this altar and say, Lord, I've got a brother. Lord, I've got a mama. I've got a son. I've got a daughter. I've got a cousin. I've got somebody I work with. They're dear to me, but they don't know you. If anybody cared, if anybody cared, it ought to be us as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be us. Pray with me. Father, we come this morning, Lord, asking you to let your Holy Spirit have freedom to, to just speak to folks in this service. Lord, have mercy. I know that I've not anywhere near done justice to John 3.16. And the only way we can ever have justice is when the Holy Spirit of God moves among this congregation and you speak to each one of us. Lord, I pray today for those who are sitting in this place and they're wondering if they really were saved. God, I pray today they would get an assurance of it one way or the other. I pray for those that are sitting here and they know they're lost. God, help them today. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on them. Move them to be a part of the family of God today. Don't let them put it off. I know the devil is already knocking on hearts saying, don't do it today, do it next week. There's plenty of time. Lord, we ask you to rebuke the devil and take him out of this place. May your Holy Spirit move fresh as only you can. And we're going to praise you. We're going to thank you.
for those who are saved. In Jesus' name, amen.